Heroes of the Internet. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. And we are the Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high flying and high kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider episodes 70 and 71. The monstrous electrifies fireball attack, Kaijin Arekibotoru Hinotama Kogeki. While practicing his swimming, the boy Naoki is mind-controlled by Shocker's new Kaijin Electrofly. The boy returns to the Tachibana Riding Club and leads the Rider Girls and other kids into a trap, making them thralls of Shocker again. Can Taki and Kamen Rider break Shocker's hold on them, or are they doomed to be brainwashed soldiers? heaven let your light shine down <laughs> welcome to children of the shotcorn part 99 <laughs> oh boy uh, more brainwashing yay more child soldiers Yay! Yay! But Shocker, you're running out of ideas. <laughs> but we are introduced to a couple of new characters because we have two new writer girls. Yes, we do. I can't remember one of their names, but one of them is obsessed with food. That is Choco. I think Choco. Choco. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, she is obsessed with food, which we'll find out in a future episode. They, not so much in this episode. Uh, but yeah, so Emmy is it, it was Emmy and one, the other one. I can't remember her name. Uh, are, are now gone. The two that were introduced when Hongo came back uh-huh. are now gone, and we still have Yuri. Yuri has stuck yep. around. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, I think she sticks around till the end. Yeah, or yeah. at least close to it. Uh, we also have no more Goro. Goro has outgrown outgrown being the Kaiju Kenny, or com- common Kenny. Sorry, oh, the common Kenny. Yeah, yeah. Now we have a new kid, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, we actually have two of them because this they're both of them do hang around all the time. But but in this one, the focus is on the one, which is a Nauki. Who is also either going to grow up to be a supervillain or Batman with all the murder that he keeps witnessing and all the mind controlling and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also like that the two new rider girls who are, you know, it's like they want to join the, the Tachibana racing club. Okay. They can join. And then immediately they get kidnapped by Shogger. It's like, uh, and you stuck around. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, Tachibana might want to warn people about that. It's like, just so you know, sh- we're one of Shocker's favorite targets. So if you join the club, 
you have to be prepared for kidnapping, potential maiming, mind controlling, and you know psychological trauma. Yeah, <laughs> being but sacrificed. Tachibana-san. Yeah, but Tachibana-san, why is Chucker always after you? I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're not going to tell you. Uh, this episode actually starts off pretty fun and pretty interesting because uh, <laughs> we have Ambassador Hell basically doing a Doctor Frankenstein. Yeah, it's it's Universal Frankenstein right here. It's alive! It's alive! Give my monster life! <laughs> ah! And our new kaijin, Electrofly, because. That's the name we're going with because, as usual, all of these kaijin have multiple translations for their names in everything. <laughs> yep. The show subtitles, the 2B slash show factory listing, and the title and the title card on the episode, none of them can agree. But we're going with Electrofly, and boy howdy, is he excited to be born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's go we go from it's alive to I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so they do say in the show uh because I was listening to it when they, when they do talk to him and about him, he is Areki Botoro, which is literally electric fly or electra fly. Uh so, you yeah, know, that, but he's that, not a firefly. He is not a firefly. I don't know if I should be disappointed or not. Yeah. He is not a firefly, but he does shoot fireballs. <laughs> yeah, he does. He also does other weird things because now we're at a point, we're apparently now at a point in the show where one gimmick, one superpower is not enough for these kaijin anymore. Nope. We got to give them at least two. So we got fireballs and the quote unquote dance of hell oh my goodness i love it i love it my dance of hell will make you my slave <laughs> we can't talk too much about that because i uh, several of the things related to this are in my awards for this so episode. are mine <laughs> but yeah but i will i will briefly mention you know and we get the trademark deadly disco lighting we get him mesmerizing people by doing ooh, his funny. Now it, some people, uh, non-Japanese people might look at this like, how is that a dance? I'm like, well, actually there is a form of Japanese dance that is more akin to something like this. It's more about precise movements, usually movements with hands and arms. It's not like hip hop dancing or ballroom dancing as Westerners would understand it. You know, where it's more of a full body movement sort of a thing i've Ooh. actually seen this performed so i can't remember the name of it unfortunately but i've seen it performed i i do have to cut in here and just say that um fashion peaked when hongo wore the white bell-bottom pants his white <laughs> unbuttoned shirt that's completely showing off his chest with the gold chain and a brown leather belt <laughs> with a fringe on the belt. <laughs> oh boy. I bet. Uh, I, I think I understand why the writer girls wanted to join the club. Now this is Just like, saying. Oh man, <laughs> this is such 
such crazy 70s fashion and i'm here for it i love it uh tell me you couldn't see jeff goldblum wearing that <laughs> oh i totally could <laughs> and i don't mean back in the 80s and no, 90s i mean right now <laughs> oh yeah it's too bad he didn't dress like that in dominion right <laughs> oh yeah i know i know Oh man. Yeah. It's just so, so crazy. I love this outfit. It's my favorite outfit, but well, no, I, I, I say, I don't know. This one is a, is very close to being my favorite outfit that Hongo's worn. But then I also think back to that, that double breasted suit. Uh, oh yeah. That was wore. great too. That was so good too. So, I mean, I just, I just love Hongo's seventies fashion. It's so great. I feel like the longer the show goes on, the more 70s it becomes. <laughs> it really does. Well, I mean, we're getting deeper and deeper into the 70s as we're going. Yes. So. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. Uh, I but, also... uh, Something I noticed with... What? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, something I noticed with this episode, I realized this show loves waterfall fights. It does, and they're really cool. We have another one. Yeah, they're we had really another cool. one this time. Mm -hmm. Although this isn't really a waterfall as much as it's a sluice. It's a it's a, a section on the edge of the river that takes in you know lets the water that overflows from the river uh, flow out, so the the river doesn't become overly. Uh, flooded but uh yeah so but they're still fighting yes. on it and it's, a, and it's a lot of fun to watch these these fights in the water and the and and not just because of the action between the two characters wearing costumes but also you gotta remember the camera guy is carrying this huge heavy camera and walking around in the water with them to shoot these close-up scenes mm -hmm. and stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. it goes to show you just how how well versed the Japanese are when it comes to making tokusatsu suits because good lord they these things take such abuse yeah they really do they really really yeah, really the, do you know the water rolling around in the dirt and just everything that they being do being set is, on they fire are experts <laughs> being set on fire although nothing can survive being set on fire <laughs> oh no suit i should say can. yeah well i Although, mean you would think that these would be flame retardant you know if, if i uh, was a common writer i think i would make sure my suit's flame retardant yeah <laughs> uh so we get a return of one of our favorite tropes in this show which is the evil eyeshadow as naoki is <laughs> mind controlled and nobody recognize it Nobody, still, nobody sees it. I don't understand. Is the convention supposed to be? Because it's not just in this show; it's in all of them. And like every time they do something where there's a visual cue to the audience that something is not right with the characters, that they're being mind controlled or whatever it is, it's like it exists only for the audience. The characters in universe never see it. It's like it's invisible to them. Yeah. And, it's just weird it just gets weird after a while <laughs> but i do love that so he he's just sitting there growling like a little cat 
And then the shocker goons just walk into the room <laughs> to kidnap the writer girls and Tachibana. But the writer girls get taken away first and Tachibana doesn't get kidnapped. Instead, the the goons do one of the most brutal things I have seen them do. They sit there slamming Tachibana's face against the table oh. over and over and over again. <laughs> I'm starting to get the impression that the show kind of hates Tachibana while at the same time it's letting him get more involved in the action. So it's a little weird because I've watched ahead a little bit and poor Tachibana. <laughs> Tachibana gets Tachibana gets beat up a lot, but hey, I, he he can handle it, and and he's my favorite character for a reason because he's right there in the mix, and he doesn't he doesn't let him uh, let that get him down. He's still fighting. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, remember how I before I was joking about how the writer all the new writer girls need to be warned before they join the club. Well, there is kind of one giveaway. Apparently, common writer's face is the button. The official yes. button? No, the official the, the official badge for the writing club. Yeah, they they have a pin. They have a pin for the Tachibana uh racing club and uh when the when the girls and and Naoki are kidnapped and taken to uh Shocker's hideout, they drop the pin down and and Hongo and Taki find it and it is literally just common writer. <laughs> has yes. the face uh, on the spin. I think yeah. I have a pin that looks exactly like that because it has common Rider on it. <laughs> Are you in the Tachibana Racing Club? Yes. Yes, I am. I have a mask that says Masked Rider. <laughs> <laughs> a face mask. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I was just like kind of giving it away. Also, I'm guessing the only reason that neither Hayato or Hongo have sued them for copyright infringement or trademark infringement or whatever because they're using their likenesses with, without permission is because they're friends with Tachibana. So what are they going to do? Right. I mean, you know, they're, they're part <laughs> that of the be, That would be a jerk too. move. I'm just, yeah, yeah. It would be a jerk yeah. move. Yeah. Uh, I do love when they finally get to uh, the, the shocker hideout. They break in. Taki and, and Hongo are there. And they are going to rescue the 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 girls and all of them. And Ambassador Hell says one of my favorite lines from this week. Not not one that's going to be in my awards, but definitely one of my favorite uh, favorite lines from this week, which is, "I've prepared a grave just for you." Yes, which, which yes, makes me that's a good villain line. Just just one grave. There's two of them, so so you're going to put them both in the same grave, I guess. <laughs> It's mass grave. That's how evil we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else that you uh, uh, that you found interesting in uh, this episode? Uh, according to Taki, Shocker has its own architecture. Yeah. Like a funny little throwaway line detail. Like, what does Shocker architecture look like other than submarine set? <laughs> yeah, submarine set. I mean, they also have like eagles and their logo painted on everything. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of obvious. Uh, also, uh, Electrofly. This just sh this is just my power trip host position coming through, bleeding through. For some angles, I feel like Electrofly looks like pumpkin wrapper. Really? Oh yeah, I guess I could see. It. Yeah, because his head is very only bulbous. from some angles. 
Yeah, only from some angles. And good grief, Electrofly takes his time dying. <laughs> yeah. See, I was I was thinking I was going to say his head looks like a swollen scrotum, but um, you know. Oh, geez. a pumpkin oh, pumpkin God. works too. Yeah. Well, okay. It's a swollen scro- scrotum is something. Title is something. Well, I, I mean, it's, it, never it's, mind. Moving on. It's two <laughs> globes kind of smashed together, and they're bright red. So it's like it's like I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so Electrofly has to get quote unquote grounded to die, and I will admit the fight scene where they do that's kind of interesting, but I don't understand how putting a wire on him and then sticking it in the ground and quote unquote grounding him is supposed to depower him. But, well. Okay. Because electricity always runs through to the ground. Electricity has to run Uh. to the ground. So the idea is that he has all this energy, all this electricity stored up into his body. If they can poke him and, you know, and access the electricity and then ground him, all the electricity will run out of his body into the ground. Uh, so, ah. but then I'm always like, well, then why isn't the electricity running out of his body constantly? Because he's touching the ground when he is. Yeah, exactly. Walking. Exactly. Although the, it's kind of, it was kind of cool because they were using that grounding wire and spike and they, uh, they were, uh, Kamen Rider was using it like a, like a chain shuriken, you know, like, <laughs> like yeah. a Shang-Chi or, uh, or a scorpion from uh-huh. Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. uh, which was actually pretty cool. I will say that. But it just—I find the logic behind using it a little bit dubious. But yeah, you know, I mean, comic book the, logic. Yeah, the logic. Also, they definitely did not use a, an insulated wire. They used a rope, which would not have been the thing to to use. <laughs> but yeah. the the yeah. the logic is sound. Whether the execution is actually sound, eh. <laughs> Yeah, and also just one final quick note: we get a new mid card with yes. this episode. I like it. Yeah, it looks I really like cool. Yeah, and this is also when we get a new opening credit sequence. It's around this. I think it was actually. A, a, yeah, it was last last it's like um, the previous episodes. Yeah, I think it was last episode. But we get a new opening credit sequence, and honestly, I think it's a little boring. It it's is just a montage of common writer writing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not as cool nothing will ever be as good as i think the original opening from the first 13 episodes even though that was kind of like you know they didn't really they didn't know what the show was going to be at that time they didn't really know the the tone they were going to go with so it was just kind of whatever uh and, and and it was actually the the words were sung by fujioka himself uh whereas mm-hmm. in this one they have actual you know professional singers singing it and everything so uh i don't know i, I i'd still i i usually skip through the intro whenever i'm watching it on tubi <laughs> <laughs> I've been known to do that sometimes, or I just let it play so I can enjoy the music and get my notes set up. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Transition! The Mount Rocco pursuit of the monstrous gadfly Gomez, Kaijin Abu Gomez, Rocco-san, Daisuiseki. From Mexico, Shocker deploys the horsefly Kaijin, Gadfly Gomez, who kidnaps a scientist. The evil organization intends to force to make a device that blocks all communication in Japan. 
Taki and Hongo at first protect the little girl who witnessed the Kaijin's first appearance until Tachibana and the Ryder girls are kidnapped again. All right, Travis, we need to get ready for a long series of kidnapped scientists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this isn't a new trope. We've had it, but now we're getting it back to back to back to back. And 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 like we said, I think in our previous episode, uh, they they're really really running out of ideas for this show, and you can tell by the number of recycled plot lines. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, for a while we were getting lots of mind control episodes. Now we're getting lots of kidnapped and ransomed scientists, blackmailed scientists, just lots of scientists. Good yep. Lord. There's a lot of brilliant scientists in Japan who do everything according yep. to this show. <laughs> yep. Uh, I also. Uh, OK, so we, we start this episode off at the airport it, or is it the airport or. So, yeah, I think it's the airport. And an yeah, and, and there is someone who is tailing who he thinks is a what he call him a shocker informant or a shocker. Yeah, like yeah, some someone who works for shocker. And this yeah. guy, the the supposed shocker informant is the most evil looking evil bad guy that ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> he's evil mcevilson <laughs> evil mcevilson i'm like the evil looking guy with the glasses oh, yeah, yeah, well, probably actually, no, up no he's, he's yeah he's senior evil mcevilson senior evil <laughs> he's from mexico he's totally from mexico oh yeah yeah Look. totally from mexico absolutely uh -huh. from mexico no further questions about mexico uh -huh. <laughs> Yeah, yes, yes, totally, totally. <laughs> it's just so funny because, like, the episode starts and it says the FBI has sent Taki and Hongo, like, hold on, hold on, back the government train up here a second. Hongo works for the FBI now? Yeah. Or, I mean, why is, the, why is the FBI deploying Hongo at this point? I well, I, Hongo had a new job. I, I Maybe Taki kind of, like, field deputized him you know like you know like hey, we're working together so here's your sure, sure. yeah yes sure but they, then it sets up the narrator sets everything up saying that they're looking for a shocker informer is going to be at the airport and they're they're this is all being said during a montage of all of these different people coming to the airport and everything and i just wrote down, oh yeah the golden girls right there they're totally with shocker oh yeah absolutely <laughs> with the with these old ladies coming it's like oh yeah yeah them, them mm, yeah right there <laughs> yeah yep that's totally you, the shocker I just love the yeah yeah i i just love this idea of shocker having like a little division of evil old ladies <laughs> <laughs> and, and what like their leader is played by betty white it would be just be great <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God rest her soul. But <laughs> yeah, uh, this leads to not just a trope for this show. This is a thing that exists outside of the show and in other things. But it is still one of the stupidest things. And I, I'm so glad it's. Uh, never mind. I was gonna say I'm so glad it doesn't exist anymore. But 
uh, yeah, it does still happen. Uh, I'm going to tell you all of my plans, and then I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Actually, I, I think I've brought it up on this show before, but have you ever heard of... I should send it to you sometime. Have you ever heard of the Evil Overlord list? Yes, I have. I think because yeah. of you. Well, one of the... Yes. Like I said, I'll send you the link to it. The basically, for those who don't know, it, it's actually been up on the internet for years at this point. But basically, it's a guy who listed out all of these different tropes of just the dunderheaded mistakes that villains will make in stories, and then kind of reversed it and had this guy who's supposed to be, you know, this up and coming, you know, evil overlord, and he says, "I will not do this." You know, that's basically the part of it. And one of my favorite ones pertained to the whole monologuing or plan thing, you know, like the Incredibles taught us. And the, the way it went is, if I have captured the hero and he says, before you kill me, will you please just tell me what all of this about? I will say no and shoot him. On second thought, I will shoot him and then say no. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And I was going to say, like, like I, I know this is a trope from, like, this not just in this show. This exists all over the place. And I was like, man, you know, I'm so glad this isn't a thing anymore. But, uh, I, I mean, I just watched Stranger Things Season 4, and it, it happens in Stranger Things Season 4. <clears throat> so... <laughs> villains just they love talking about themselves and what they're doing so look i I guess (laughs) look i like stranger things and all and i like and and i've enjoyed season four for the most part but when half of your hour and a half long episode was just the villain explaining to you his backstory and his evil plan (laughs) Oh God! Come on! <laughs> oh, gosh, that takes that takes you caught me monologuing to a whole other level. Oh, Shakespearean it was, levels. It was there. so bad, and I'm sorry if I am spoiling stuff for people, but oh God, that was it was so bad because it's just like I thought that this was a thing that didn't exist anymore, but here we are doing it. I should have read the Evil Overlord list. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so so uh, do we want to we, talk about do we want to talk about Agent George because uh, Taki's okay. friend who gets killed? We got another one. So we've gone from you know, from Peter Lorre to George Costanza or whatever at this point. Well, okay, so he's supposed to be from the Mexico. He's supposed to be from Mexico, so his name should be Jorge. Jorge, yes, but Jorge. I did write down what he because he he gets killed by Gadfly Gomez, and I just wrote there, yes, avenge George, <laughs> avenge Jorge, Ios mio, avenge me, <laughs> hashtag avenge George. <laughs> yeah, right up there, it's right up there with uh, uh, what was uh, a uh, dummy? Uh, yeah, justice for dummy, <laughs> justice for dummy. Now we have avenge George. <laughs> avenge jorge uh yeah so jorge gets gets murderized and uh which is worse than murder (laughs) yeah um i one thing i do really like about this episode is we do get right into the action like it does not waste Uh time setting anything up it's not you know 
introducing the monster and everything like that and how it was created and stuff. It's like, nope, right away. We're we're murderizing Jorge and we're going after this little girl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also we find out, again, another kind of little throwaway detail, but apparently Shocker now has more than one Japan branch. Yes. There, there's a Western Japan branch, which I guess means there's an Eastern Japan branch, and they're equally incompetent. <laughs> yes, which is weird because in future episodes uh, that we're going to be talking about, uh, they go to Western Japan and they it's the same people. It, it's literally just the same people. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> How did you like when the little girl is in the hospital and they send rider goons to to attack her? But instead of like doing it like they normally do, which is bust into the room and try to kidnap her, they're just going to JFK this little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Common Rider, where we snipe children for the kids. There's literally a ki a a, a, uh, a shocker goon on the grassy knoll with a shotgun about to JFK. Oh, it's, a, this, it's a sniper rifle. It's a sniper yeah, rifle a sniper. about about to JFK this little girl. It is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just like, really, we're doing this. We're doing this. Oh my. Uh, the the. I, I feel like. There's a lot more attempted child murder now in this show. <laughs> I mean, They're either mind controlling children or murderizing children. I just, we get yeah. it, Shocker. You're evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she witnessed the, uh, the murder of Jorge. So yes. And she knows what the plan is because of course, like we said, the evil gadfly monster told, Go, uh, yeah. Jorge, what the plan was, and she overheard it. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah. Gadfly Gomez, definitely from Mexico, definitely not played by Raul Julia, which would have been awesome. Oh uh, yeah, Gomez. You imagine you imagine Raul Julia voicing Gadfly Gomez. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. But, <laughs> but he's from. He is derived from a horsefly. That what did they say could kill? Let me look it up here. Yeah, uh, could they kill could... a horse with one sting. Yes, yeah. Uh, because yes, if anybody is not aware, which I'm sure most people are, because they are all over the place, but horse flies are incredibly painful if they bite you slash sting you. Uh, I have been bitten and stung by horse flies quite a bit, and they hurt. Mm, well, so I guess you were. Very scared of Gaffley Gomez, weren't you? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never scared well, of the shocker talk. monsters because they are ne they never do anything right. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of suits and disguises, <laughs> that becomes our main plan for this. We're going to have a decoy scientist and... We find out that Shocker saw through it. So it's like, ha ha. <laughs> it's like, we are deceiving you. We are deceiving you that we are deceiving you. But yes, 
For once, Shocker <laughs> was actually like... smart. I actually thought that was really good. That Shocker was smart enough to see through the disguise because Hongo, uh, they they because of of talking to the girl and the girl revealing what the plan was. Hongo and Taki now know the scientists that that uh, Shocker is going after, and so they go and they get there first. And Hongo disguises himself as the scientist and gets kidnapped instead of the actual yeah. scientist. But I, then, I will admit when we when we see the real scientist, I'm like, wow, you actually did a really good job with this makeup. You still look like Doctor Mafune, Colonel Sanders, and Doctor Wiley, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Japanese Colonel Sanders. That is exactly what he looks like. <laughs> I mean, it only makes sense because, you know, KFC is a big deal at Christmas time. Yeah, <laughs> KFC's yeah, KFC's popular in Japan. Uh, I mean, we talked about this. I ate KFC when we had the werewolf at Christmas story. I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we if we make it around to another to another uh, Christmas episode, I might go get some KFC uh, just because I didn't get to get KFC when we t when we were talking about it last time because it was raining. I know so I, I couldn't get it. Uh, uh, it's so sad. But yeah, so credit. I have to get credit there. That was pretty good. Uh, another funny uh, ambassador hell line that just makes the Trekkie in me very happy. I don't know if this was the subtitlers having fun or if this is actually what he said, but he tells all of them, your resistance is futile. Yep. <laughs> I noticed that too. Yeah. I was like, thank you, Ambassador Hell. You make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 now this this whole thing leads to so so Taki and the and the scientists are met with the shocker goons and ambassador hell uh on the ground, but uh, Hongo in disguise is taking on, taken onto like a gondola that's taken up into the, well, not, not a boat gondola, but like one of the, the ones that goes up the mountain. Um, and mm -hmm. he, a tram, that, a tram, anyway, a cable car. Uh, and when it's revealed that, uh, that, that, the, the, the shocker knows that Hongo is there in disguise the action scene there of them fighting in this close quarter oh, kind that, of just that's in my awards okay well i just want to say real quick before before we, we, we'll talk about it in awards but it reminds me a lot of shang chi the fight on the bus and i really uh, like that mm -hmm. <laughs> as a fan yeah, of yeah. kung and, fu uh, movies and and shang chi yep. i was a fan <laughs> Yes, yes. The only other things that I'll mention really quick is we get a new writer move, the Rider Knee Block. Yeah, which right. just is him kneeing them in the groin. <laughs> so, so he to, just to make our co-host and common Michael Hamilton happy, common writers take care of business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does the same thing. He he hits them, he knees them, and they explode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I <laughs> have to say, I do like seeing Hongo kind of pushed to his limit and kind of struggling in this episode. Oh my gosh, he gets the snot kicked out of him in this yeah, he, he really does. And, and like he we'll talk about it but that gondola fight you know uh ends with him falling out and falling down into the you know 
onto the ground into the trees and stuff and like and so he's hurt and he's visibly hurt and just limping and stuff and it's like but he's still pushing through so i was like that's it's really cool because i love seeing the hero pushed to their limits yes for sure and then the only other thing is I don't know if you have this in your awards or not, but the uh, the exchange that Tachibana has with the Rider Girls on the bus, that was in contention for my Kamenacho Award this week. Uh, I don't remember that. Okay, then maybe you don't have it. But they're going... Here's another trope that comes back. Everyone is going on vacation all the time. Yes. Yes. So they're taking a trip and the, the writer girls are sitting there with Tachibana and they're complaining a little bit. And one of them says, we're still stuck here with the chairman. And then Tachibana says, well, excuse me for being old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like, that was a good one. I like the sass. I like yeah, the <laughs> it was good. I do want to do a, a little note here before we move into our awards. Uh, we no longer have a narrator at the end of the episode that introduces the next episode. We have the narrator that says, you know, oh, you know, Hongo has defeated Shocker this time. But what do what does Shocker have in store next time? You know, that kind of thing. But when they actually yeah. show the clips for the next episode, they used to have the narrator reading out, you know, a thing describing what's going to happen in the next episode. In this one, it's not there and actually has the monster for the next episode talking and or, the, or just a character. Well, yeah, they have a character, but this specific one for this next episode, mm -hmm. I think they actually had the monster saying mm -hmm. it and then i think i think the next episode after this is uh ambassador hell is the one who's saying it and then i think another episode uh -huh. there's hongo saying it so so it's like they're using a character in the show to actually introduce or, or give the preview for mm -hmm. what's happening in the next episode mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which i like it shakes things up a little bit yeah i just thought that was interesting i was like i wonder what happened why they're not no longer using the, the narrator there at the end it's weird for them to shake Try things up 70 something episodes in. <laughs> you have to at this point. I mean, <laughs> you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Mm -hmm. Are we ready to move on to awards? Yes, sirree. These are fun little awards that we give out to the episodes or movie that we cover on the Henshin Men. Starting with the Henshin Kick Award for the best stunt or fight scene. So I hinted at it already. We need to talk about the fight on the tram. Good grief. Close space. It feels claustrophobic. It's very suspenseful because they open up the, the door for the tram. And then there's that constant threat of someone's getting thrown out the door. And what is absolutely insane and we talked about this before with the fight on top of the truck. We're like, that's movie caliber stuff. Those are real people on top of a real truck. I'm pretty sure they did the same thing here because they filmed on an actual tram and they have real people dangling out yeah. of the tram. Yeah. It is insane. <laughs> Again, movie caliber stuff. I expect to see this in a James Bond movie at this time. Not on a weekly television show. Yeah, yeah, I know that, and, and and yeah, this uh, 
for me, this is also my award. Not not just the fight inside the gondola. For me, it was specifically the the hanging out of the uh, of the gondola, of the tram, of the cable car, whatever you want to call it. Um, because yeah, we like we said, you know, this was in a time period, and especially on the budget for this TV show, that this wasn't you know just just uh, like there wasn't a huge net there to catch him if he fell, or there wasn't all this kind of stuff. It was like he probably was just harnessed in, and then that was it. <laughs> it's like you're not there's a, there's not a whole lot separating the actor from plummeting i'm sure they did have enough safety stuff but but still just like that is a risky stunt to do and the fact that they did it on this kids show from the 70s is just amazing but like i said the fight inside reminded me so much of shang chi uh that bus scene in shang chi and at like i said as a fan of kung fu movies and as a fan of shang chi i really liked it Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're able to get someone, get a cameraman in there to film it, that is astonishing. Yeah. Because that actually made it feel a little bit more claustrophobic. Yeah. All right. And then next up, we have Takatoku for the best special effect. I went with the deadly disco lighting during the Dance of Hell. Woo! At the beginning so all the of fireflies. episode 70. Yeah. You would not believe your eyes if 10 million fireflies lit up the sky on Common Rider. <laughs> A little bit of Owl City for you guys. <laughs> yeah, but at this point, they use it so much, I'm a sucker for it. And this was a weird way to do it. It's a bit psychedelic, I have to say. A little surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was yours? I had a hard time picking one uh, because they didn't really have a lot of really, really standout ones for me. Um, a lot, a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that we saw in these episodes was stuff that we had already seen in in yeah. previous uh, in previous ones. So it's kind of hard for me to to point out and be like, oh yeah, that's a really awesome effect because a lot of it is stuff that we've talked about in previous ones, but. I, I again, I'm going to give it to the pyrotechnics because when mm-hmm. when uh, the firefly uh, electric fly, when he starts throwing those fireballs, it's not it, you know you see fire you know on the ground nearly hit. I I guarantee you those fireballs probably came within centimeters of hitting some of those actors uh, because they looked very close to actually hitting them and and burning them uh but also there were sparklers and and pyrotechnics that went off whenever the fireballs would would land so it was just yeah it was nice effects and i don't want to constantly give this award to the award to the pyrotechnics because it seems like i'm just doing the same thing over and over again but that really was the the effect that stood out the most to me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i understand that like i said the budget for the show has increased but (laughs) <laughs> the writer's room is having a little bit more trouble. It's a weird trade-off at this point. Yeah. 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 Anyway, next up we have Common at you for the best line. So mine is from Electrofly during that sequence that we were talking about where he says, Shine, fly, dance the dance of madness. That was mine too. 
<laughs> Shine, fly, dance the dance of madness. It reminds me, one, it sounds very Shakespearean. Dance the dance of madness. Um, two, it reminds me of the scene from Family Guy where Peter's like, dance, Lois, dance with me, dance the dance of music. <laughs> <laughs> Electrofly is a a very flamboyant uh, <laughs> kaijin with all with his dance moves and <laughs> he's very animated. Yes, very <laughs> I mean, much. He even kind of has like a he dies like he's in a Shakespearean play because, like I said, it took him forever to die after he got yeah. hit with the right on knee block or yeah. you know, as they might say in WWE, the knee. <laughs> <laughs> it took forever <laughs> yeah uh, i just i love that line dance the dance of madness <laughs> yeah it's it might be one of my favorite kaijin lines at this point <laughs> and speaking of nuts we have wth what the henshin quite possibly our favorite award for the craziest moment now comparatively this seems a little bit more mundane but it just cracked me up when it happened <laughs> because we have the kid we have naoki and the writer girls get again they all get mind controlled again to go attack our heroes and then you know how we joked before it's like uh you know punch the child you know they just mm -hmm. you know, our heroes just punch the children well now they have to punch the writer girls except yeah. apparently you can knock women out by hitting them in the gut <laughs> yeah i'm just like hold on hold on you could gut punch gut punches knock women out. are there what when were their when did their brains move to their stomachs i mean maybe choco i could understand because she thinks with her stomach but you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's that it's, it's that like 70s kind of logic of you know we'll just we'll just hit you hard enough anywhere on your body and you'll pass out <laughs> it's Kind of Kirk Fuian in a way. <laughs> it was, and there was some Kirk Fu in this. I didn't mention it when we were talking about the episode, but there was. There was the full-on double-fisted on the back whack Kirk Fu. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, I am well-versed in this because I, I bought the book about Kirk Fu. I have learned <laughs> Kirk Fu. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and it has man. a little section in the back for uh, for Spock Fu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is just pinch the right nerve. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, uh, so my oh. WTH award, I, the, the, I had to give it to. So we talked about Hongo being dressed up in a disguise for, you know, as the old man. But we didn't mention my favorite part, which is something that comes back. It's a thing that came back and I have been missing it. I was just thinking the other day, I was like, you know what? I really miss Taki dressed up in disguises because Taki hasn't been dressed up in disguises in a while. And then they gave it to me. He's dressed up in a tuxedo and a little mustache to be a maid of the, <laughs> and he's like, do we be Oh, the scientist, he is outside the door. He doesn't talk like that, <laughs> but that's what I imagine he would talk like if he spoke English. 
<laughs> yeah, the uh, talkie, the master of disguise. <laughs> he really is. I love it. Like uh, you know, because because it seemed like every episode, Taki was wearing a a rider goon or not rider shocker goon uh, disguise. <laughs> he wears a rider goon. What? Yeah. <laughs> what is he leather face now? He's skidding these guys. Whoa, whoa. Um. No. Uh. He wears a shocker goon costume and and was infiltrating the bases and stuff so it's but they stopped that they stopped that and i miss taki dressing up in a costume so seeing him dressed up in a costume was just like you know it was a wth moment but it was also like yay taki in a costume i love it <laughs> all right travis now it's time to move on to minute two henshin it <laughs> This is where we give our final thoughts in one minute or less. I'll go first this week. So are we ready? Here we go. Henshin. So like we've been saying, budget got bigger. The writer's room is recycling some stories, which is a little bit unfortunate. But I think you brought this up before, Travis. The best part about this is not so much the formula it's the details in the formula right mm -hmm. yeah and we had some nice details here we got we had a pair of pretty good kaijin there's you know it's getting more tropetastic with the monologuing and all of that stuff but then we get some cool disguises and some pretty fun action of the 70s fashion as you pointed out so we're we're in the home stretch or at least we're getting close to the home stretch for the show. I think once we get to like when was it Gel Shocker, Gel Shocker shows up, that'll be the home stretch. But that's still not for a little while. There we go. All right, Travis, are you ready? Yes. Okay, on your mark, get set, go. Yeah, like you know, you you quoted me, I guess, sort of, I guess, in saying you know when it comes to these types of shows, these these tokusatsu shows, there is a formula, and they do the formula over and over again. So it's really the details that make the difference in the show, and and the details in these episodes were fun. I had fun with them. Uh, a Gadfly one, I wasn't as didn't have as much fun with as the Electrofly one. That one was my favorite one, I think, of the two. Uh, but I oh, also yeah, really. Too. I really enjoyed, again, I mentioned this a lot, but Hongo using his brains instead of just his brawn, because in that episode, he uses his mind to figure out how to stop Electrify. So I like that. And I'm going to use the last few seconds I have to mention that you have typed in your notes, uh, Hongo is one touch cookie. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> typo it's supposed to be tough <laughs> whoops hongo is one touch i am undone you have exposed me and my <laughs> poor literacy <laughs> i thought that was so funny that i had to mention it <laughs> because it was just funny to read <laughs> oops <laughs> well and with that i think we can called this one uh, good and say thank you to everyone for listening to The Henshin Men, a tokusatsu appreciation podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Kaiju Weekly podcast and listen to more of Nathan on the Monster Island Film Vault and the Power Trip, which is our sister podcast in the Kaiju Ramen Media Network. 
If you found some enjoyment from mm-hmm. this podcast, consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podchaser. And until next time, what are we going to say, Nathan? Keep your henshin up, heroes of the internet. This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media, LLC.